The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. All right, we have a few more people now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's good. Welcome to you as well. And welcome to everyone as well online. We are live streaming this and it will also be available afterwards on YouTube for people to have a look. So there's different ways of giving talks. <laughs> for some people, um, it is just, you know, a talk that they um, do on the cuff. I usually kind of like to reflect on things a little bit and to have a topic with me for a period of time to reflect upon. And what I also really like to do is to go back to the word of the Buddha and actually see what it says in the suttas to um, explain the things as they were stated by the Buddha many, many 2,500 years ago. And it's amazing how relevant these things still are. Of course, society is changing, culture is changing, but our minds they change, yes, they change very quickly <laughs> from one moment to the next. But there is how the mind operates and, you know, the defilements that we have in the mind and the beautiful qualities that we have in the mind, they are actually the same over a long period of time. And um, this kind of talk was a little seed that was planted actually during one of my um, interactions I had with CityZen with uh, the young adults group, and they asked the question. They asked, they would like to hear something about relationships in the future. And that's kind of the topic I had with me for a little while to reflect upon. But um, relationships, if you think about it, it's actually quite a large topic. When we think about relationships, I think most people think about the relationships we have as people with each other, like the relationship you have with another person, maybe the relationship you have with yourself. But I feel the word goes much, much deeper than that, because we are relating to so many other things in the world as well. We're um, relating to other beings like animals or maybe even, you know, beings that have passed away. Um, and we also relate to things in this world. So it's a huge topic. But um, today I would like to focus a little bit more on the kind of interaction between um, um, beings, between uh, human beings. And just a few things that you might have heard in the past floating around, you know, when we talk about biology or when we talk about, um, you know, how these things operate in the world. So human brains are hardwired to see connection and to also have social interaction. It's part of being a human being. And we build trust. We cooperate and we bond with each other. That's what human beings do. That's what animals do to some extent as well. But as a human being, um, we need it much, much more because we are much more vulnerable. When you think of some of the animals out there, especially, you know, the reptiles, like crocodiles or snakes or things like that, when you have seen maybe in some nature documentary or so forth, they are in their eggs, they are kind of abandoned by their parents, they hatch and they're on their own, basically finding their way in the world. But as a human being, we are very vulnerable and we actually need, you know, our parents and we need beings around us to guide us, to help us and to grow in life. So that's why relationships are so important for us. And it's important to have relationships with people we can trust, with the right people. So humans are social animals. That's one of those phrases which people throw around a lot, and it's true. So we are part of a larger um, social network. And we influence and we interact with each other. So, you know, maybe we haven't thought about 
the word influence so much in the past, but in the, I don't know when it has started, but maybe in the last couple of years or three, four, five years, they started to talk about the influencers on the internet, isn't it? <laughs> it's become a bit of a term, but that's what we all do. We are all influencers. We're all influencing each other. <laughs> that's just what happens because um, we have this social streak within us and uh, we are kind of, um, it's like when you're washing things in a washing machine. <laughs> Sometimes when you put the wrong things together, then it washes off, it rubs off. And that's what naturally happens for us as human beings. So the important part though, is that we make sure that the color that is rubbing off is the color we actually want <laughs> in the washing machine. Usually it's, it's the wrong colors put together and you end up with, you know, your white clothes are red or whatever, and you didn't really want that. Meaningful relationships are very important. Social bonds are important for us. And as I mentioned before, especially when we are growing up, especially when we are children, when we're small, um, or when we are in a vulnerable situation. And as human beings, we have to realize that we actually are vulnerable. Very often it's kind of hidden away from us. And something like the pandemic, has actually shown us. And we talk about, you know, vulnerable people. Of course, some people are more vulnerable than other people, but it is one of those qualities that we all have. We need some protection. We need some help. And uh, it's very important to also accept that when uh, it's required. All right. Now, when we talk about relationship, the other side of the spectrum there, of course, is loneliness. And that's something we have experienced as well during this <coughs> pandemic. And I'm sure a lot of people have been talking about this as well. Important with loneliness, though, is that we understand it is a feeling that we have. And sometimes we can be lonely even though there is lots of people around us, even though there is lots of friends that actually want to help. So... Um, yeah, it is something which is generated within us, within our minds, and sometimes it's also a mindset. And if we can, you know, break out of that mindset every now and then, or come to a place like this where there is other people around and mix and mingle, and then maybe also build some friendships, that is something which can really help with this loneliness. Loneliness basically means, as it says here, it's a lack of social connection. We don't feel connected. We feel we are by ourselves. And we feel left out. We feel excluded. And that is actually an uh, experience which is very, very painful. And that we feel lonely is very normal. <laughs> that we feel that every now and then. And that it comes and that it goes. That is not a problem. But when it becomes chronic, that is one of the problems when we are feeling lonely for a long period of time, when we're feeling cut off for a long period of time. And there is some research that suggests here that when that is happening for us, that we are actually 26% more at danger um, to um, you know, become sick or to even die. Um, it is compared, they say, to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So there is things out there in the world which are not physical, they are mental, but they have a huge impact on our well-being. So it's important that we realize they are there and that we realize how to address them and how to you know, connect to other people and therefore have a more happier life which boosts our immune system, which helps us live a better life. So that's usually what you kind of hear in the world. Some of those ideas are um, probably not new to you, but what I would like to do this morning is to see what the Buddha had to say about this, and very specifically what he had to say about friendship. And friendship, why did I choose this topic? Again, it's something which kind of came up for me in the last couple of months, or maybe even longer. Friendship is something which often shows itself when we go through a difficult period of time. 
that's when the people who are really our friends and really are there for us kind of show themselves and help us. And that's what um, has happened to me over the last couple of um, you know, months. Of course, the friends have been there before, but it really kind of makes it apparent to you when you go through a rough patch. As a Buddhist monk, you have so many supporters that are so kind to you. And sometimes you forget. They're kind of in the background and you kind of live your life as a monastic and you don't really realize. You don't appreciate it as much as you should. And I'm sure that that might be happening for you as well. You might be in a romantic relationship. You might be um, in a community such as this one. You might be part of a group. And we kind of take these things for granted. We don't really reflect on them. And I think it's really important that we actually do that. And that's why that came up for me. The other reason, of course, is as well, with um, COVID, we weren't able to see each other. And because I'm from Europe originally, I come from Switzerland. My parents are from Czech Republic originally. So it's a long, long way away from Australia. And I didn't have a chance to go and see my family, to go and see my friends for almost three years. And when I went back, I realized how important that actually was for me, how healing it actually was to get together with those people that I've spent, you know, my, my youth with, or even my childhood with, and um, that I consider um, my friends. Okay, so, oops, let's go here. So one of the suttas that very often comes up when we talk about, you know, lay life and about what happens um, for people in their day-to-day -day lives is the Sigalaka um, Sutta from the Diganikaya 31. And that actually popped into my mind when they asked about, you know, relationships during um, the youth group session. And there is some very, very good advice here. It specifically talks about friends. And it talks about the good friends, but it also talks about the fake friends or the bad friends. So let's um, have a look at what it has to say. So, householder's son, you should recognize these four enemies disguised as friends. The taker, the talker, the flatterer, and the spender. So that's the four categories there. Let's have a little look at those ones. So maybe you're already assessing your, your kind of friends or you're assessing yourself. <laughs> we all fall into these things. But it's very good to know the pitfalls and it's good to know uh, what the Buddha has recommended. So the taker. You can recognize a fake friend who is all take on four grounds. Your possessions end up theirs, for some reason. Somehow that happens. Giving little, they expect a lot from you. They do their duty, but they only do their duty out of fear. Fear can be a very strong motivator, but it's um, not the best of motivator. I um, have worked in my past, in my past life, I sometimes say, as a primary school teacher. And, um, you know, when you have kids, little kids like this kid here, <laughs> a first, first grader, um, I had kids who were about six years of age. Yeah, if they feel that they have to behave or they have to be quiet because otherwise they get scolded or otherwise they are in big trouble, they don't feel comfortable, but if they know they're in a safe place, if they know they're in a place where they're loved for who they are, then they feel happy, they feel at ease, they feel relaxed, and they usually behave <laughs> in a much better manner because they know, oh, it's a, it's a nice place to hang out, people um, are friendly, and I don't have to have fear, I can just be. So, then the fourth one is the uh, taker friends. They associate for their own advantage. So they think about me, 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 me. <laughs> All right. Now, the next one is the talker. 
and the talker. How can the talker be recognized? The Buddha always has four kind of bullet points to recognize that person. They are hospitable in the past. So they've done something good, which is great. They are hospitable in the future, which kind of means, I guess they talk about the future because the future is not here. They're like, oh yeah, 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 I'll help you. I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do something else. <laughs> because we're talking about the talker here. Next one, they are full of meaningless pleasantries. So it is important to be kind, but it is important to also be genuinely kind. Uh, not just to use word to flatter, but the flatterer is still to come, so let's leave that for later. And the fourth one is, when something needs doing in the present moment, right now, someone is in trouble, something is happening, they point to their own misfortune. So they are, again, very focused on what is happening with themselves. Of course, we have to take care of ourselves, which is important, but we also want to be there for other people. But um, the positive ones, they are coming next. So, number three, the flatterer. The flatterer is also one of those fake friends, and um, that person can be recognized like this. They support you equally in doing bad and in doing good. So, there is not much wisdom, there is not much discrimination. And they might again be afraid or not have enough trust to say something if they have to say something. They just kind of try to use the easy way to just again be nice and say, oh, it's everything is okay, everything is all right. <laughs> but there is some things that are skillful and some things that are not skillful. And it's important that we know the difference and that we help our friends to understand the difference. <coughs> now, they praise you to your face and they put you down behind your back. It's something which happens so often, isn't it? And we do fall into it ourselves. And it's kind of normal <laughs> that this happens every now and then. But it's good to know these things, and it's good to try and be authentic, to be the same to the person when they're present as you are to the person when they're not present. Of course, sometimes something happens, and you have to kind of debrief with someone else, you have to get something off your chest, you have to get a bit of perspective, for example, so then you are not really putting the other person down, behind their back, then you're just saying, oh, I had this difficult interaction with a person, I really need to talk with someone, I need to talk it over. So that is okay. But yes, we have to be careful of these ones. And the last one is the spender. You can recognize this one on four um, fronts as well, on four grounds. So. They, uh, this, this is actually from 2,500 years ago, but it's still happening, isn't it? <laughs> they accompany you when you are drinking. <laughs> they accompany you when you are roaming the streets at nighttime. And they frequent festivals, whatever that is these days, I don't know. <laughs> and they are also gambling with you. That's usually when you, you know, your money disappears. So, of course, some of those things kind of apply, some of those things don't apply exactly. But, of course, you will recognize that there is sometimes a crowd of people that is hanging out with you when life is fun. <laughs> when there's lots of funds, when there's lots of whatever, when there's invitations, when there is a certain advantage to get. And there is nothing wrong with hanging out with people and having fun. But if that crowd is only there when these things are happening. And then when life gets tough, they're not there anymore, then um, that's a bit difficult. Okay, so that was the four fake friends. And there's a summary, a little bit poetic. The Buddha um, uh, says here, one friend is all take, another is all talk. One just a flatterer, and one's a friend who spends. An astute person understands these four enemies 
for what they are and keeps them at a distance as they would shun a risky road. So you understand that they are risks associated when we associate with certain people. Like when we would go on a journey, we know this is a risky road and this is a safer, better road. So let's um, choose the one which is safer. All right, so that's the pitfalls. But the Buddha talks in the next paragraph about good-hearted friends. So there is also four of those good-hearted friends. There is the helper, the friend in good times and bad times, the counselor, and one who is caring. Okay, right. let's have a look. So the helper. You can recognize a good-hearted friend who is a helper on four grounds. They guard you when you are negligent. So negligence is one of those words that does appear in the suttas quite a bit. And we very often become negligent when we are tired or when there are defilements going on through our minds, when we are just not very balanced. And that's when we need some help from the outside. That's when we need some friends that can help us to guard us. And they guard our property as well. They guard our things when we are negligent with those things. So it's not just our mental negligence that we have, something also the physical possessions that we have. So they would go, you know, and house it or look after our cat or whatever. It has to do with, with uh, you know, property as well. They keep us safe in times of danger. We were talking about vulner being vulnerable. And sometimes there is situations that can be a little bit dangerous. And then it's important that we have other people that care about us, that help us, and that can give us some safety. Then, when something needs doing, they supply you with twice the money you need. So when I reflected on this one, <laughs> as a monastic, it's a bit hard for me to reflect on money because it's just not on my radar. <laughs> I don't have to think about, you know, paying bills or so forth. But it very often happens to me with food. <laughs> People are so generous to come and bring food for the monastics. And I always end up with way too much food. <laughs> but I don't mind because we want to support the generosity of another being. We want to support them in doing good. And it is a kind act. So it's one of those topics which gets raised, especially at Ajahn Brahm's monastery a lot, because we get so much food. We have like a huge banquet, banquet every day. I don't know um, who has uh, visited the place before. And very often we've said, oh, it's, you know, it's too much. But Ajahn Brahm always reminds us and says, um, we don't want to stop people being kind. So we accept, we share, and then hopefully, you know, people can take whatever is left back home again, or we share it with all the other people who come to lunch. So if you come for lunch after this talk, you will see there is way more food than one monk can eat. <laughs> so we can all um, share that together, which is beautiful. And one thing which also reminded me of this one here is I was reflecting um, about my dad. Um, who passed away now nine and a half years ago. But um, he was always there for me. And one of the things that he would do to express his kindness and his care is to cook for me. And when I was um, training as a primary school teacher, I would work on the weekends. I worked in a grocery store. And in the grocery store, you start pretty early in the morning. So I would start at six o'clock. So I would get up around five-ish, um, have something to eat, you know, grab a shower, take the bus and, and go to the place to work. And my father would get up every Saturday. <laughs> so I would spend the night at his place. He would get up in the morning, make breakfast for me, put it out, <laughs> go straight back to bed. <laughs> um, but um, that's something I do remember and I really treasure and value. And it wasn't just back then. It was even when he was working. He was a doctor in Switzerland and he was very busy. But one of the things he would do is cook for us and care for us with preparing a meal and sharing the food with us. So that's kind of what um, I recall. 
where he was helping me and was helping us. He was helping in many other respects as well, but that's just one thing which came to mind for me. Now, the friend in good times and in bad times. You can recognize this one also with four things. So they tell you their secrets. So intimacy starts when we trust and when we're able to share something with someone else. Now, they tell us our, uh, uh, their secrets and not everyone needs to know everything about everybody. <laughs> we were talking about, you know, authenticity and transparency. A relationship can really grow and establish itself when we have that trust that we can let people into some of those things which we will consider secrets, which means we don't just tell these things to anybody. Now the important part, the part which comes is the next one, is they keep our secrets. Because that is something which is very, very hurtful. If we do open up to someone, if we share a part of ourselves, if we share our vulnerability, if we share something where we may be not quite sure and we want some reassurance, if that uh, information gets out there and gets shared with people who are not in our circle of friends, who we don't trust, um, that is something which is very, very difficult. So I think we should really remember this, that it is uh, very important. It's very, very tempting, <laughs> especially if you have a lot of information about a lot of people. <laughs> um, it is good to know the information, but it's also important to sometimes just share the information without mentioning the person. If you want to share it, you know, like as a teacher, for example, something that has happened that is useful for another person, but you don't want to, you know, share the information and who the person actually is. Then they don't abandon you in times of trouble. And that's what I was uh, alluding to before. It was troublesome and difficult for me because of my health for a couple of months. And um, yes, so it was so heartening to see all the people who have supported me and reached out during that time. And they even give their life for your welfare. So that's what we just chanted in the Metta Sutta, didn't we? The mother who would give her life for her only child. But that is also the father, that is also the friend, that is just this deep longing to really want to help protect another human being. And on the contrary, to be protected and to be loved by another being. The counselor, very important. So the four things here, they keep you from doing bad. So they actually do point out to you if something is not okay. <laughs> so they do distinguish, they do have wisdom, they have discrimination. But again, they have built so much trust with you that they can actually mention these things. And they are hopefully tactful enough that they can do it in a way that is not hurtful, that is not harmful. They support you in doing good. They teach you what you don't know. That's our mentors, isn't it? In different areas of life. And they explain the path to heaven. So the translation of the Pali word there is they uh, uh, explain the path to a happy place. Basically, understanding Buddhism that when we do good things, they have good results in the future. So they pave the path for you for being in a happy existence in the future, but in this lifetime, but also in a future lifetime. They are kind and they are caring. So you recognize this friend also on four grounds. They don't delight in your misfortune. So we talked about this before. They don't have schadenfreude. <laughs> they are not happy about your misfortune. That's basically the opposite of mudita. So they delight in your good qualities. They delight in you having success. They keep others from criticizing you. So sometimes that is actually something we can do as well. If some conversations really turn bad, <laughs> if some conversations kind of attack another human being, then it's important 
to um, kind of step away or step in. I'm not trying to say that certain behaviors are not okay. So if we are criticizing a certain behavior, um, we can have a conversation about that. But attacking people with criticism is usually not helpful, is usually not, um, not good. And then they do the opposite. They encourage praise. And that is something when you hang around those good people in your life, you will see that they will listen to the concerns that people have, but they will always also talk about the person um, in question and bring up the good qualities of that person when a conversation turns um, into you know, one of those conversations where you start to criticize, to whinge, to blame and complain. So we also have um, a little stanza here. A friend who is a helper, one the same in both pleasure and pain, a friend of good counsel and one of kindness and caring. An astute person understands these four friends for what they are and carefully looks after them like a mother, the child at her breast. The astute and virtuous shine like a burning flame. So that is from the Sutta Diganikaya 31, if you want to look it up. But there is even more in the suttas. There is the Mita suttas. Mita means friend. And that's from the Anguttara Nikaya. Some of the things we've covered already, so we can go through it a little bit faster, but some of them are new. They give what is hard to give. They do what is hard to do. They endure what is hard to endure. They reveal their secrets to you. They keep your secrets. We had that one. They don't abandon you in times of trouble and they don't look down on you in times of loss. So most of those ones we have heard before. But I think the beginning ones um, are important as well to reflect upon. When we, you know, kind of very often see these love stories or whatever it is, or TV, it's always this idea of a person comes into our lives and you just fall into love. <laughs> Uh, or uh, fall in love, they say, and everything is, you know, happy ever after, and uh, you don't have to work, and it's just fine. <laughs> but when you are falling in love, you can also fall out of love, can't you? <laughs> so love should actually be much more of an attitude, of something we grow, of something we work on, than a feeling, because a feeling is something which comes, feeling is something which goes. So there is work to be done. So we have to make sure that even when things get hard in our relationships, uh, even when you know, certain things are expected of us and it's not so easy to give, then we should endure. And there is also a little stanza here uh, in the next part, which gives a bit more detail. A friend gives what is hard to give and does what is hard to do. They put up with your harsh words and with things hard to endure. So we will realize that when we are in relationship with other people, they will be grumpy at times. <laughs> they will be unhappy at times. And then it's really important that we are resilient, that we don't get caught up in arguments and that we can kind of bear their harsh words and that we can understand, oh, they're just having a hard day. Oh, they're just actually suffering right now. And this is an expression of their suffering. Can I have some compassion and kindness for their suffering rather than, you know, get a, kind of get intact and get into an argument? So the relationships that are resilient, that's the ones that will actually survive. They tell you their secrets and keep your secrets. They don't abandon you in times of trouble or look down on you in times of loss. The person in whom these things are found is your friend. If you want to have a friend, you should keep company with such a person. So this sutta is actually the bhikkhu mita. It's the monk friend, but it applies to all of us, of course. And there is a second sutta. Now, this one also has seven. It says the person is likable, agreeable, respected and admired. They admonish you and they accept admonishment. They speak on deep matters and they don't urge you 
to do bad things. So the part I wanted to focus on here is the admonishment, which is a really important part in monastic life, but also in all of our relationships. If we want to grow, if we want to become better at relationships, we have to be able to also accept admonishment and to give admonishment, but um, to again do it in a respectful manner, to say if we have been hurt in a relationship by certain things, so that the other person is aware that certain behaviors trigger certain things within us. Of course we have to take responsibility for our own parts as well, but it's so important to have that conversation. Because if in monastic life, for example, we wouldn't get admonished from time to time, then um, we wouldn't really develop and grow. So it is really, really important. Okay, and I think I have, yes, there's the stanza. So they're lovable, respected, and admired. An admonisher who accepts admonishment. They speak on deep matters, and they don't urge, us, uh, don't urge you to do bad. The person in whom these things are found is your friend. If you want to have a friend benevolent and caring, you should keep company with such a person, even if they send you away. So sometimes there might be very good, out, good people out there who kind of dismiss you. But when you recognize someone who is really a valuable friend, don't give them up too easily. Really stick at your guns, they say, isn't it? Or stick with your guns or whatever the word is in English. I'm not sure it's not my native tongue. Um, but yes, um, invest and um, um, have a bit of endurance to go through hard times. It's normal that relationships have tough patches, that life has tough patches to go through. So keep coming back to your good friends. And then this is the classic, I guess most of you who know the suttas have thought about this uh, when we talk about relationship and how important they are. In the beginning I tried to talk about, you know, psychology, biology a little bit, that we have recognized that relationships are really important, but the Buddha said so as well. So it says, so I have heard that one time the Buddha was staying in the land of the Sakyans where they have a town named Townsville. When Venable Ananda, that's his, his, um, his attendant, for 25 years, long, long time, went up to the Buddha, bowed, sat down on one side, he said to him, Sir, good friends, companions and associates are half the spiritual life. And I'm pretty sure he was kind of proud of himself saying, look, I mean, yes, this is really important. It's half of the life of the um, monastic and the Buddha answered, no, no, not so, Ananda, not so, Ananda. Good friends, good companions and associates are the whole of the spiritual life. So we have to realize how influenceable we are, <laughs> how strong conditioning is. So please surround yourself by the right people. A bhikkhu with good friends, companions and associates can expect to develop and cultivate the Noble Eightfold Path is what we endeavor um, to walk on as Buddhists. And how does that happen in a monk or nun or layperson? It's when a bhikkhu develops right view which relies on seclusion, fading away, cessation and ripens as letting go. Now, hang on a minute. Didn't we talk about loneliness in the beginning of this talk? And about how, you know, difficult it is to feel lonely, to feel cut off. And now the Buddha here is talking about seclusion. So, the important part about that is, in the beginning I mentioned we feel lonely, we feel cut off. We feel excluded. This is a voluntary taking ourselves out from the busyness of life and secluding our body and secluding our mind from the activity which is happening out there. But the social contacts, they are still there. The friendships, they are still there and they are important. 
but we actually take ourselves out of them. We take a break. We free ourselves from them for, um, you know, a shorter period of time, like yesterday during a meditation day, or you go to a meditation retreat for a longer period of time. So you do that um, as much as you can for shorter period of time and then longer periods of time. But you always know that your friends and companions are there for you in the background. So you can carry that feeling with you in your heart when you go and practice by yourself. And if that is not there, it's actually really difficult to let go, to let things fade away, because relationships are the areas of our lives where it's interesting and beautiful, but where it's also difficult and hard, and where those things happen that we carry within ourselves, with us, into seclusion. So there needs to be a little, little bit of work done um, to be able to actually let go. And then, of course, it goes through the whole Eightfold Path, and it always says that these things rely on seclusion, fading away, cessation, and then they ripen in letting go. So that's the same with right thought, with right speech, with right action, with right livelihood, with right application, I chose as a translation, might be a new one for you, right mindfulness, and then right stillness, as Ajahn Brahm calls it. So that's one way. And the other way is, here is another way to understand how the spiritual life um, and with friendship is the whole spiritual life. For by relying on me as a good friend, sentient beings who are liable to rebirth, old age, death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness, distress, are freed from all these things. If we rely on a good friend, if we rely on the ultimately good friend, which is the Buddha himself, then this is what's to be expected. Now, the Buddha is not around anymore. <laughs> we do have the teachings of the Buddha, so we can rely on the teachings, which is beautiful. But we also have people on the path that we can rely on. And these are the people, um, yeah, I might have to um, switch over this one because I'm aware the time is going quickly. <laughs> maybe next time, but I have one more thing um, at the end here that I wanted to go through. Lots of material. <laughs> there we go. The word that might have come up for you, the Kalyana Mitta, and that is the, the true friend, the ultimate friend. And Kalyana, when you look at the translation of the word, means fine, excellent, good, virtuous, beautiful. Um, and the mitta is the friend. So it is not just any old friend. It is a virtuous friend. It is a spiritual friend. It is someone who is hopefully a bit ahead of you on the path or is, you know, a fellow with you on the path and they can really, really help you and progress on the path. Okay. And there is the word Kalyanamitta by, like, put together. In Pali, you often have, like, different uh, parts of a word, and when they're put together, it is the good friend, the person of fine qualities who is a friend, especially in helping one to progress spiritually by his or her example or advice. Cultivating the friendship of a good man or good men or good women Having, go, uh, having good men as one's friend and advisor, consorting with people of fine qualities and following their example and their advice. Okay, that's what I have to offer for you this morning. I'm aware it's quite a bit of material, but I hope um, it is useful for you to reflect upon um, in your own friendships, being a friend and... Um, being part of friendship circles and groups. Okay. I think the next part is usually questions, if we have any. Is that right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Bhante. Uh, we'll alternate between questions from people in the hall. Yes. And we have some online questions already. We have a okay. lot, of, lot yes. of people who have been watching online. Okay, cool. So, if we would like to start with a question in the hall, if someone would like to ask one. 
any admonishment <laughs> or any thoughts or any questions uh, please yes but can you use the microphone because then they will hear it online as well so then I don't have to um, repeat the question that helps a little bit Arjun, just while we all aspire to the seven good qualities, mm -hmm. aren't human beings basically a mixture of the seven good qualities and the seven bad qualities? Or in other words, aren't we all um, saints and sinners? Sure. I mean, we, we have those different things uh, within ourselves that can express themselves. That is correct. Yes. And that's part of being a human being. But um, we are trying to really become human i mean maybe 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 let's put it the other way we are a being <laughs> or we are an animal or we have biology and we have all these things inf influencing ourselves influencing us but we also have humanity we also aspire to some some qualities that we want to develop within ourselves and development is possible so it's important to recognize those qualities which are not helpful and to learn to abandon them, to learn to let go of them, and see the good qualities, and to develop them. And there comes a point where the good qualities start to replace the bad qualities. Or where we, um, as we discussed yesterday during the meditation day, we become skillful in realizing, uh-oh, I'm coming into some unwholesome patterns in my mind. And to be able to disengage and to have enough wisdom and have enough um, um, space to basically have the wisdom come in, have, remember the teachings, and then apply those teachings. Or if we can't apply them straight away, to remove us from the situation. To just realize, oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm kind of, you know, on the dangerous territory here now. Let's get out of this situation, <laughs> reflect on it before I say something which I might regret, regret uh, later down the path. So um, they are there, and they sometimes talk about, you know, the different roots that we have. The question is, what do we feed? What do we develop? And th there comes a point when the bad ones can be abandoned. It is possible. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you, Bhante. The first online question is, can two friends or even ex-partners yes. um, trust each other after a big misunderstanding or lack of love, mm. friends and my ex-partner find or found it hard to forgive my misunderstandings. Oh. That is a really tough one. But um, I was trying to bring up the topic of friendship, and I haven't actually mentioned it yet, so uh, thank you for the question. I wanted to say that I'm focusing on friendship because I feel that is the basis of any relationship. That is the foundation of any relationship. So if that is there, it will survive. If we don't feed it properly, if we don't give it enough attention, enough care, then it can, da can be damaged through the process. So what does happen at times is, you know, people come together and th things happen and there is a mistrust that kind of builds and sometimes we can't overcome it anymore and i just remember my own relationship i had before i ordained um, where you build trust and then when the relationship ends it's very natural that that trust that was there at that time where you were really close is not there anymore so you do need a period of time to just kind of let that cool down or to go your own path to um, you know distance you from some things because you have invested into something which breaks apart which falls apart which is really hurtful which is really difficult but if the friendship part was strong enough then you will be able to come back to that. Then you will be able to remember the friendship you have built with that person and you will be uh, able to, to pick it up again. But again, one of the things that I feel is so important here is the secrets. Sharing your secrets and keeping the secrets of other people. When you are close with someone else, they share part of their 
yeah, <laughs> being with, with you. They, they share something really kind of sacred or something really meaningful with you. And please, please treasure that. Please, please value that. Don't use it as currency to buy yourself some advantage or to, you know, have a bit of fun, but on the, um, uh, what, how do you say it? Um, <laughs> I can't think of it in English now, but at the expense, exactly that's at the expense of another person. Because if that happens, then of course the trust will go out of the window. But never um, forget that trust can be rebuilt, even if it has gone out the window. And don't be afraid that when you were um, hurt in the past, to try again, and to try again, and to try again. Of course, there is situations where it's not wise to do that, and I don't encourage you to you know, do it in those situations. Do it some from a safe distance, do it from a safe place, do it at your own time. But um, trust is, is so important. It's actually what I want to talk about next, <laughs> next uh, um, uh, Dhamma talk, so I'll maybe leave it, um, leave it up to there to go a bit deeper there. But um, I am of the opinion that yes, it can be done. It's not easy. But um, start now. <laughs> if you have a good relationship, um, start now. Don't, don't delay. Because uh, it will be there for you later down the track. And of course, even in that relationship, you know, I mean, I was 20 or whatever. I've done mistakes or I've made mistakes. See, I just made one now. <laughs> and my partner must have done mistakes back then. But um, we will be able to forgive those if there is enough trust, if there is enough understanding, and if we focus on the right parts again and don't get lost in uh, the negativity and in the fighting and in the blaming and in, in all those, those parts. I hope that helps. Thank you, Bhante. Is another question from anyone in the room here? Aha, yes, please. Wonderful. Maybe. <laughs> Great. Was relevant to young people as well, hopefully, what I said tonight. Uh, thanks for the talk today. My question is, how does karma work? How does karma work? Okay. <laughs> a completely different question. Right. That's a difficult question maybe to answer quickly. But karma basically means action. It means we have an intention and we act out of that uh, intention. Now, when we have a good intention, we know that that intention will have good results for us in the future. So, you do something, say, in a relationship with someone, you really think about what you could do for that other person, how you could be kind, how you could be caring. And all that energy that you're putting into the action that you do with your mind and your heart, that is what creates karma for that relationship and for you. Now, one of the important things we have to know, though, is that sometimes you have all the best intentions and you put them into the relationship and you put them into the action and it all goes wrong. <laughs> you have unintended consequences. And that's very important to understand when that happens, that that is life. We try our best. We do what we can. And what will have the impact for you later down the track, even if it feels a bit uncomfortable sometimes, even if it goes wrong, is what you have put into that interaction from your heart and from your mind. I hope that helps as an answer to a very difficult question. <laughs> so, but maybe just partially answered it. From our mouth too. Yes, yes. Sometimes we think something and we say something else. Or we say something and it might be hurtful to someone else. So, but the intention is always the most important. That is really what karma is. That's what karma comes down to. Thank you, Bhante. The second online question is, is it necessary to have friends who don't practice dharma, such as college friends, college mates who talk non-dharmic things? By spending time with them, we may lose continuity of Dharma practice. Um, you might also lose an opportunity to be kind and caring to whoever. 
and to have a relationship with just any being really. I mean, you know, what we are trying to develop on this path is to have boundless compassion, to have boundless kindness. I know, again, I'm talking about <laughs> a very high concept here. If you are engaging in certain relationships and you're really realizing they're completely off the radar, they're completely off what, you know, my kind of worldview is, and I can't relate to those people, I'm not forcing you to relate to them or to spend loads of time with them. But um, don't exclude them. Don't uh, disregard them. Don't, you know, um, uh, don't think about them at all. If um, you need to distance yourself a little bit, that's fine. But um, you are at university from what, what I hear. You are hanging out with people. Just, um, just have fun. Just be friendly. Just, um, um, you know, enjoy your time together um, at this part of life because you won't um, have the opportunity to have the same kind of light-hearted contact with so many people from different walks of life. So um, don't isolate yourself um, unless you really, you know, feel you don't need their company at certain stages. But, um, yeah, I mean... I wasn't, a, yeah, I was a social person, but um, I also, um, you know, liked my solitude and liked my, my own space. But um, I had a bit of both during, uh, during that period of my life. And I'd encourage you to also, you know, have that uh, in your life. Hope that that helps. Okay. Aha, question. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, sure, please, yes. But thank you so much. I I like to bring in animals into this yes. because they can be your amazing friends. Yes, they and can. Teachers. So I could recommend to every. I mean, if people have Netflix, there's yeah. a movie called a documentary called mm. uh, My Octopus Teacher. All oh, right. Yes. And the octopus is an amazingly mm. intelligent mm. animal. Yes. So if you have Netflix, if you can. Look at it because mm. it was an octopus who helped this man yes. who was going through a really difficult situation, yes. and it's a beautiful sort of Buddhistic thing because it also you know octopus have a lifespan. Yes, and you know the attachment. Yes, yes. and um, the realization of anicca as yes. well. Yes. So thank you because animals mm. can bring you a lot of comfort. Oh yes, yes, yes. I mean, uh, that's what I try to mention in the beginning there. Of course, you know, when we give a talk, we usually focus on on one specific part. We can't cover the whole ground, but it is uh, animals as well and we can actually learn a lot from animals. They are um, you know, cats and dogs and so forth. They have this loving quality. They don't argue with you because <laughs> they can't speak our language. Um, yes, and there is, you know, uh, documentaries out there and things that can really be helpful for us to watch and to reflect upon. I've actually also asked uh, Langdon to put um, uh, a little YouTube video in the description of this um, um, when it's on, on YouTube uh, about friendship, um, how friendship works and how you might be able to, you know, um, kindle some friendships. Um, and uh, get in contact with people because it is it is important. Thank you for that. Do we have more from online? Or? I think we almost finished. We won't have time for one quick mm -hmm. answer to the last question, online question. Thank you, Bhante. Yes. Um, and for those interested, yeah, the, if you look in the description of the online uh, YouTube video, there are the references to the suttas that um, Bhante has talked through and also the link to the video that was just mentioned. The last question, how do I end a friendship with someone without judging them for their unskillful speech and behavior and without resentment toward them? Mm. Well, often friendships just, I mean, that's my experience they kind of drift apart. And of course, there comes a certain point sometimes where it ends. <laughs> but I personally feel that it's not just this one point and we shouldn't, you know, hold on to that point too much. So you just kind of, you drift closer together <laughs> and you drift further apart again and, uh, and you wish them well you realize that um, 
Forgiveness is something so important, especially in friendships as well. We have to bear so many things and we have to be so compassionate and have so much forgiveness as well. So you understand that these things happen, that um, friction is part of any relationship and you try to, to forgive it. You forgive the other person, you forgive or you ask for forgiveness uh, from the other person and you also forgive you yourself. That sometimes, you know, you are hard on yourself or that some things just kind of flow out of you that you didn't really intend or wanted, wanted in that place. Just remain, reminds me of one little kind of um, simile from one of the monks. He described close relationships like the tongue and like the teeth. So the teeth and the tongue are so close together that it's unavoidable that we sometimes bite our tongue. <laughs> so hurt will happen. It's to be expected. So don't expect relationships to be perfect and to not get hurt, never get hurt. Hurt and suffering and difficulty is part of, a hu of our human experience, how we deal with it. That is actually the important part. So, yes, drift away with kindness from your relationship. And maybe don't even have a point where you feel that's when it has ended. You have done this and because of that, it's over now. <laughs> no, it's many, many things that come together and lead to us coming closer and drifting apart. Okay, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for all your questions. And have a lovely Sunday. And join us for lunch if you want. <laughs> Let's uh, bow to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha before we finish off.